if you this morning, if you would turn over to Isaiah chapter 54, I was working on Isaiah chapter 55, and I got looking and reading and studying it, and, uh, and then I went back and seen, man, I, got, I think I'm going to have to hit 54 first, because it is, I, I just felt, found something there, and these is prophecies that was given to Isaiah about what God was going to do for the children of Israel, and we know that we have been engrafted into the promises and the wonderful blessings that God has given to His people now that His Son has come as our Redeemer. And today we're going to look at the first eight verses of chapter 54. And we're going to look at this title, Rejoice. Why? The best is yet to come. Now, now I tell you, it, doesn't, it doesn't take a stretch of imagination today to look at where we're at to believe that. You can see where we're at today. How many it says, I'm pretty good where I am. I'll just stay where we are. I'm, I'm okay. Don't move. We'll just stay right where we are. I don't know. I didn't think I'd have too many takers this morning. We know that God has got more for us than what we're seeing right now. We know that this is not our final destination. So this morning, we're going to look at what God gave Isaiah, and then we're going to look at how it applies to us even today. If you've got this morning, stand for the reading of the Word. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1 says, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, bring forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with, or travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, said the Lord. Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither shalt thou be confounded. For thou shalt not be put to shame, for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood any more. For thy Maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer, the great Holy One, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. For the Lord hath called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit and a wife of youth when thou wast refused, saith the Lord, for a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but thou, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. Rejoice, the best is yet to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. God, we know that you're aware of the situations that we face. We know you know every detail that's going on in our lives. And we know that, God, that you're above it all. And God, that, Lord, even in the midst when it seems like trouble and trials and problems and things that's pressing us down, we know that, God, you're going to do great things in the future. It's going to be greater than today and God we put our confidence in you and Lord if there's one that doesn't know you today that they wouldn't leave that way when they leave this house but they would give their heart and life to you move and anoint the reading of your word in Jesus name amen amen hallelujah rejoice the best is yet to come when you read these first part of this verse it 
It sounds, it's like, a, it's like crazy. It's like, what? It's talking about a woman, and in, and in biblical times, a woman who could not have children was looked down upon. They felt a reproach. It was like a curse on her because it was the most important thing to be blessed and to bring forth life. And so we see that it was, but we're looking here and what the Word of God is saying is the woman who normally is going to, we see how it affected women in the Bible. We see how Hannah came and she was so overwhelmed because she could not have a child. That she was in the temple just weeping before God. Couldn't even speak. Why? Because she wanted to bring forth life. She wanted God to bless her, but she couldn't do it. She desired it. And here we're seeing that this scripture is saying, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, bring forth, break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. And it's saying, worship God because of the circumstance you're in. And you're like, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense, God. You were in a circumstance that we should be crying out to God for help, but you're saying to worship me. When I was reading this and I was looking at it, this, when Isaiah is looking at this, he is talking about what is getting ready to happen to the children of Israel when they turn their back on him. And they're under the reproach and they've been under the judgment of God. And it seems like everything's turned against them. And they're in captivity. And they are anything but bringing forth life. They are, they are under the reproach of the enemy. They are not moving forward. They are moving. It seems like the thumb of the enemy is upon them. Their life seems anything but blessed. It seems like it's a hopeless situation. It seems like they don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. It looks like God's turned His back on them. They deserve what they got because they did turn their back on God. But in this scripture, we see a hope spring forth. We see here that God is the one that's looking at them and God, His anger has been turned and God's mercy has been established and He's saying to them, you've been barren till now, but that's not where you're going to stay. And He tells them rejoice, not the circumstance that you're in. Hey, none of us wants to rejoice in what we're dealing with today. Whatever you're facing today, what our nation, what we're seeing in our own families, the things that we're seeing, those ones that we've been crying out for, we see that the enemy seems to be winning battles left and right. And we don't want to rejoice at where we are today. But if the first thing we can do is we need to realize that we can rejoice because that's not what we're going to stay. We see that what happens sometimes in Scripture, that many times God asks us to praise Him before we see the victory. It doesn't mean that it doesn't, it's not going to happen. Sometimes our trust in God is the fact that we're going to praise Him and He wants us to praise Him even before we see the victory. Because that shows our faith is in Him. And it's not based on what He does, but because of who He is. We see an example of that with Paul and Silas. They, they're doing the work of God. They're doing what God told them to do. But they've been put in prison because of doing good things. And not only put in prison, but they've been beaten. And they're in chains. And they're sitting there and, it's, and probably still blood oozing out of the wounds where they've been beaten. But when it comes midnight, what do they do? They're sitting there chained up and there's somehow joy comes out of their soul. And they're worshiping God at midnight. Well, when they, people first hear that, they think those guys are idiots. Those guys are nuts. They beat them and they're praising God. What happens? All of a sudden, God shakes that place. 
God opens the door. God uses them as a ministering tool that even the jailer and his whole family get saved. Why? Because someone was rejoicing at midnight. Because someone trusted God before he opened the door. And so God is sitting here in this verse and talking to his people and telling them rejoice because his people, God, he remembered the promise he made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I'm going to make you like the sand of the sea. I'm going to bless you coming and going. You're going to be a blessing to the whole world. You're mine and you're my children and I'm your God. And I'm going to do all these things in your life. But sin, it caused them to be in captivity. But in these verses, God is saying to them, Hey, I've not forgot my part of the bargain. I still love you just as much. And you are being under reproach. You deserve where you're at. But I'm not going to leave you there. Something's getting ready to happen in your life. And he needs us to rejoice. The first reason we need, we're looking at today to rejoice the best is come. Why? Rejoice, number one. We can rejoice because this is not your destiny. Where we are today, this isn't where God wants us to stay. When we look at what's going on, I want to look at these things and look at the church world and see where we are. And I want you to understand, this is not the end of the road. This, this thing that we see, what's going on in the church, it looks like it's under condemnation. It looks like some of the things that we've seen this last year, it's under reproach. The, even the nation and people's hearts is turned away from the things of God. And they're trying to do anything they can to keep it under control. We look at our pews and so many seats are empty because of this sickness that's going on. We know that there's been a move back from the things of God. That people have not been pushing forward because of fear and because of reproach and because of all these things it looks like the church is stagnant it looks like it's moving backwards it looks like from a 10,000 foot view God must have turned his back on the church but I'm here to tell you just as he told his own people I've not turned my back on you I'm going to there's going to be such growth there's going to be things that's going to happen I feel like God is saying to us in 2021 that this is not your destiny where you are today you can rejoice, not where you see yourself at today, but if you realize who you are, you can look forward and say, hey, God's getting ready to do something great in our life. This is not our destiny. We're not fulfilling what God wants us to do. We're not going to continue being barren, but there's going to be barren is going to be turned into blessing. When the scripture, when, when, the, when God first gave the, the, the promised land to his children, we see that it comprised of it at the beginning. When God gave them the promised land, it was around 300,000 miles that God gave his people. By the time they got to David and Solomon's reign, it had shrunk down. They had given up. They had lost. That land is now, they only comprised 30,000 square miles. They were only occupying 10% of what God gave them. Did God, did God take it away? Was it not something that God, did God make a mistake? No. All of that was theirs. God promised that. But the problem is, are we going to inhabit what gives us? Do you know today, the land of Israel is only occupying 7,000 miles. 7,000. But God gave them 300,000. In our lives, in our spiritual lives, one of, the greatest, one of the greatest techniques that Satan does to us is the word deceit. He wants to convince you that what you're seeing in your spiritual life, what we're seeing in the church right now, that's all there is. 
But if we could only see that God is already, God has given us so much more that we don't step into, that we don't take availability to. We don't step into the blessings and the, all the things that God wants to do. And I'm here to encourage you today to realize that you can rejoice because once you quit listening to the lie of the enemy and believing this is all that God has for you, what you're seeing and facing and experiencing right now is not all that God. God wants you to have great victory in your life. God wants you to be more and to draw closer and to see Him spring forth in your life so that your life is fruitful. So your life is blessed and not barren. We can rejoice. This is not your destiny. You know what? You can also rejoice because revival, I believe with all my heart, is on the way. Revival is on the way. Verse 2 says to us, and this is in faith. Nothing's happened when he says this. He's saying these things in faith. Get ready is what he's saying. He's saying in verse 2, And this is the barren person singing, rejoice, get ready because God is going to do something great. Verse 2, enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. What What he's saying here is that get ready, don't sit there and wait for it to happen. You need to have an expectation in your heart once you realize who you truly are, once you realize this isn't where God wants you to stay, once you realize the enemy keeps lying to the church, the enemy keeps trying to keep us under control, once we realize his lies and realize, hey, this is not where God's going to lead me, God's going to spring forth, God's going to do great things, if we'll trust him, then all of a sudden we can have faith to step out and realize, God, you're going to do great things, Lord, this place is not going to be able to contain it, Lord, the family members, all these things that we've been praying on, you're going to be able to do great and mighty things, Lord, because we have faith in you. We've seen that with Elijah when he, three and a half years of no rain, it took a toll. It took, can you, you go three and a half weeks without rain and you'll see it in our yards, you'll see it with your cattle, you'll see it with your crops, you'll, you'll notice it. Go three months, we're in real trouble. Three and a half years, you can imagine, they had no, they forgot what rain looked like. But after three and a half years, finally Elijah started calling out on God to pour out rain again. And he sent the servant to the top of the mountain six times. What do you see? He prayed. He go to the top. What do you see? I don't see anything. But on that seventh time, he comes back and he said to him, he said, what do you see? And he said, I, I see a cloud. Just a little cloud. Just the size of a man's hand. Just a little one. It's off in the distance. It's, pretty, it's nice. I hadn't seen one in a long time. Little bitty old thing. What did Elijah do? He took off running with all of his might. And he barely be- and he did it with wisdom because he barely beat the storm. Because he knew God, the smallest little opportunity with God, and he's going to come through. His faith was, all I have to see is a little thing. All I got to do is just have a little opportunity because I know who I serve. And he moved forward with faith because revival is on the way. And we can't accept it the way. We cannot keep going the way we are. The church cannot keep going this way. God never intended for His church to lay dormant. He never intended for His church to move backwards. He intends for His church to take ground. And the enemy has taken captivity. The enemy is taking ground that's not His. And rejoice because revival is on the way. How do we do that? Prepare. Prepare in what? Prayer for one thing. Prepare for what God wants to do in your prayer life. We need to pray with confidence. 
When we pray, instead of just saying, God, why is it going on this? We need to say, God, I know who you are. And my eyes can see who you are. And I know this is not where you want us to be. I know this is not where you're going to leave us. And God, I thank you right now. Lord, give me, Lord, faith to believe that, God, what you're going to do. And God, I, I pray that you would move. And we need to move forward in prayer. That's why these prayer services are so important. I didn't make my prayer call this morning. I forgot. I forgot. You all, some of you all said, well, thank God you forgot. But I, I usually will remember to do that, and I didn't. But it, it was a good test, and I could see an impact. Because sometimes, you know, people maybe don't come unless somebody says, oh, he called. I guess I got to go. No, listen, I want to get to those. You know where we're going to see God break forth in revival? It's when people, when I get here to open the door, whoever gets here, and there's people already sitting here ready to get to pray. When people says, God, oh, let me tell you something about prayer. That makes a big difference in my life. And man, I'm just, I'm pressing on. Why? Because I know revival's coming. And I'm going to do my part. Press forward and prepare with prayer. Uh, we'll pray with confidence. Pray with authority. The enemy has no power in your life. He wants to convince you that he's one. That you are all you're going to be. But we can pray with authority and say, you have no. Let me tell you something. I've done that many times with my own family. And I know some of you all have too. That you pray and say, that's not your family. That person is not yours. That is a gift that God gave me. Or that's a, that's a person whose hands God's upon. And I rebuke you because you are defeated. You have no authority here. And God's getting ready to do a great work in their life. And I rebuke you and push him back because he has no authority. He has nothing. So we need to rejoice because of what God's going to do. And it comes from preparing prayer. You know what else? Preparing proclamation. Prepare. When we talk to God, we need to proclaim to God. God likes hearing what he's told you he's going to do. God, I know you're getting ready to move. God, I know that you're always faithful and you love me. I know that you're getting ready to pour out your spirit. God, I proclaim that, Lord, blessing on the church. I bless, God, I proclaim that souls would be saved. I proclaim, oh Lord, that this altar would be filled. I proclaim healing. I proclaim, listen, God has already promised it. And he wants us to be able to prepare. Prepare with your proclamation. And pro proclaim to the enemy he's defeated proclaim to others that God's getting ready to move and that they need him hallelujah we need to prepare ourselves we need to prepare our altars we need to even prepare the way we see the future it's so important how you see who God is and who you are because you listen I, I I've told you the way you the what what happened your mindset makes all the difference I've I've told you before about the about in the circus to where they treat they train these animals to where this big uh, elephant that uh, so easily could break free of the chains when it's little they take a big stake and they put in the ground they put a big chain on its leg that really can't break and it fights and it cuts its leg and it pulls and it cries and tries to get away and they keep getting keep doing it to it every day and every, all the time they make the chain a little smaller and a little smaller and a little smaller till eventually it comes a day that that, that elephant sees the chain and it doesn't even try to get away because it knows it can't get free. Not knowing that many years ago they put a chain on it that it could easily break. But because it sees the chain and it, in its mind remembers the past, it says it's hopeless to even try to get free. And it won't even try to break free anymore. Even though that chain is nothing, a no obstacle for it. 
The enemy does that to our own minds to say, just because you've seen it before, because you haven't seen revival for a while, because you haven't seen the move of God or people get healed or seen the altars full or see the glory of God poured out like you, like you maybe could have seen in the past, it's not going to happen again. No, that enemy has got that chain and he's got you convinced, but that's not what we're going to stay. Prepare your own minds. Prepare the way you see yourself and how we see God. You know, we can rejoice also because strongholds are getting ready to be broken. There is people in your lives that we're praying for. There is situations that's on our prayer list that we're praying for. And people's lives have strongholds. That the enemy is winning a victory, but he's getting ready to be pushed back. It says in verse 3, For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. It's talking about a situation that up to that point was hopeless. It looks like a situation that the enemy has already taken over control. It looks like nothing is ever going to be. But it's talking about such growth and such a stronghold that's being broken that we're going to see victory where we've never seen it before. We're going to be able to see those that we're calling out on and realize that when victory comes forth, we're going to see that the enemy is going to be pushed back. And those people that we love that is in his hand and under bondage, maybe even in your own life, he's got bondages in your own life that you can't get past. God will break free. and God will set you. That number one tool that he uses is deceit. And he's trying to convince us this is the way it's going to be. The enemy currently has impacted, number one, the, in, uh, the influence of the church. The church used to make a big difference in our nation. The church used to make a big difference in the morality of our nation. It, our church used to make a difference on the walls that our states and our nation passed. But now the enemy has impacted and more damage has been done this year than in my entire life to see that the church has lost its influence. But that's going to be pushed back. The, the, the enemy has impacted the outreach of the church. The church used to have such more of an outreach. And when people had trouble, they wanted to talk to somebody in the church. And the church had an influence on those. Even the ministries of the church, there's been such an impact. I remember when we got into bus ministry at First Pentecostal and Dad was the bus director. They were as many as 250 people. Dad might have bigger numbers than that. That could come on a Sunday, on a regular Sunday basis, on coming in on those. The outreach of the church was making an impact on the community. And now it seems like the enemy has convinced us that we can't have an impact on those around us. But let me tell you something. That's not true. We seen an example of that last Saturday when we got in that parking lot to pray for people. And pray for one person who we came to pray for, for Angela. And as we pray, we see people. I I really, I I think if we'd stayed there longer, there'd have been more. There was this little family that came up. And they was crying and said, would you please pray for my family? And their hearts were broken. And, and, the, and the wife comes up and says, Will you pray? Because I pray for my faith. My faith is weak. And my faith is crying tears, trying to get God to, to do something in her life and do something in her husband's life. Let me tell you something. You can have an outreach. We can again affect our community. The world needs to have its eye again on the church instead of saying it's insignificant and push it off to the, church, off to the side. Oh, the, 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 the enemy has impacted Every the, the very impact of the church on everything it does. We're not giving up. As long as we see as ourselves as barren, we will never see God's blessings, true blessings that He wants to pour out. 
We cannot accept what the enemy's been lying to us. But we need to know that God is over, that is, God has designed and determined you to be an overcomer, a victory, a great victory through His power in your life. He desires to spring forth with new life as revived people. If only we will realize the enemy is stolen from God's people and He wants to take it back. He wants to push back the enemy. The enemy, the new birth, is what God wants to promise and to bring in. And so that these people that we're praying for, we can see great, mighty move of God in their lives. Amen. So we can see that we can rejoice because this is not your destiny. Rejoice that revival is on the way. Rejoice because strongholds will be broken. Rejoice... Because God will bring it to pass. It's not you that has to do anything. It's not you that has to do anything other than put your faith and trust in Him. Because it says in verse 4, it says, Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. The enemy is saying, you don't even begin. Don't even listen to these lies. Don't even think for one second that anything's going to change. You can't change. Nothing's ever going to change. This is the way it's going to be. In fact, it's going to get worse. And that's what he wants to tell us. But the Word of God told the children of Israel, and he says to us today, don't you fear. Don't you let this confound your mind. Don't let this trouble you. Because this is not where you're going to stay. Because when God does the work, God is the one that does the work. It's not you. It's not because of how good you are. It's not because of how good looking you are. It's not because of how much money you've given. It's not because of anything other than the goodness of God. And He will bring it to pass. He will be the one that bring it to pass. We see that, man, one of the... One of the can you imagine... What Joseph went through for all those years, like 12 years of going through torment and keep getting pushed down every time he tried to step. Lord, I'm living for you. I'm not going to give up. And he keeps and it seems like everything's going good. And then all of a sudden, boom, he gets knocked right back down again. Lord, I'm starting over again, but I'm not going to give up on you. And God keeps moving. You know what? When you, the good part of the, the, the Word of God is that we can take 12 years and about two chapters get to the end of it and say, oh, God had His hand the whole time. But when you're going through the middle of these things, you think that God doesn't. Some of the things that you're going through in your life right now, you may think, and the enemy's telling you, God has took His hand off your life. You have nothing you're going to be able to do. You have no hope. God has forgotten about you. God doesn't know who you are. God doesn't care about you. And the enemy's lying to you because God says, hang on because I'm not done yet. You ain't got to your final destination. I'm getting ready to spring forth in your life. And we see that Joseph, when God did the great and mighty thing in his life, that he was exalted him one day God took him and brought him up and said this is where I brought you to this is what I wanted for you I was going to bless you the whole time you had to go through struggles to get to where I really wanted you to get to and we know that he had pain and hurt in his heart before that but we see when God blessed him and when God got him to his final destination we see that Joseph was able to say hey let me tell you something I can't even remember what it felt like before I can't remember the pain I can't remember the fear I can't remember because God's blessings is so great. The scars are healed over. And I can't remember. We see he answers that in Genesis 41, 51 and 52. and says, Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. 
For God, said he, hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And 52 says, In the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Just because the enemies come against the church doesn't mean that the church isn't getting ready to spring forth. It doesn't mean we need God more than we ever did before. Now we can't trust in some man or some political decision to help us. We're going to have to have the hand of God. So when we get our faith and confidence in God, that's when the church can become what it needs to be. And so we see that God has got His hands upon us. And it's got nothing about who you are. It's got nothing to do about who you've been. It doesn't have anything. No doubt because God's going to bring it to pass. You don't have to rely on your strength. You don't have to rely on your ability. Have faith in God. He'll bring it to pass. Amen. Hallelujah. And finally, well not finally, I got one more. I'm sorry. Rejoice. Why? Because God has chosen you. God has chosen you. You mean, I mean, I thought I had to choose. Oh, let me tell you something. <laughs> they know one of you got saved because you chose God. Well, every one of you got saved because God was pursuing you. And because God prepared a way for you. And God was drawing you. And God was loving you. And God was ready to forgive you. That's how we get saved. It's got nothing to do with who. Yeah, we need to do our part and accept it. If I come to you and I give you a, something that I purchased for you, yeah, you accept it, but you didn't do anything but take it. It was already thought about and mulled over and purchased and wrapped, and it's yours. With your, all you have to do is receive it, and that's all we do is receive it. We get no credit for that. Listen, God's the one who gets all the credit. God's the good one that takes care of us. What does it say? God has chosen you. Verse 5 says, For thy Maker, God Himself, is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And thy Redeemer, the one who purchased you back, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. For the Lord hath called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, and a wife of youth when thou wast refused, saith the Lord. God is saying, and it's not because of how wonderful you are. I see you, I see your flaws. When God reaches down to save us, He sees right where we are. He sees us in the midst of the darkest moments of our life. And He says, I love you and I want to bring you out of that. And I've already paid the price. I love you. I can't leave you there. I want to see you have peace in a right relationship with me. And He reaches out to us in the midst of our sin. Oh, He loves us and He chooses us. This is so, such a beautiful picture of what God done for us, what He did in the life of Hosea. A man of God who He chose His wife who become a harlot and she rejected her godly husband and she went back to the things of the world and broke his heart. Can you imagine? I mean, this, this man, his heart was broken because he probably kept trying to find her in the streets and he would find her in somebody else's, uh, somebody else's arms. And he kept trying to find her and she would leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with you. And she kept getting farther and farther till finally, no doubt, he lost track of her. He didn't even probably know where she was. She got farther and farther in sin, rejecting him. She deserved where she was at. And she got so much worse that finally she was nothing but a slave. In fact, the word came back to, to Jose and he found out that they were getting ready to put her on an auction block. She was being sold as a slave. 
that's where she had gotten. Isn't that the way the enemy does in our lives? He takes something that God has great intentions in our lives and he tries to shipwreck us and take away all of our opportunities and say, this is what you deserve and this is the way you're going to be. And I can see her standing on that auction block ashamed because of who she is and hearing jeers and, and comments made in the crowd. People are bidding on her. She knows it's going to go from bad to worse because she is nothing. She has no self-pride anymore. I don't even think she's looking up when I see the picture of her. She's standing there ashamed, tattered, bruised. She has no self-worth left in her. She has no idea what's, it's going to get worse today. What are they going to do with me? And she's sitting there in her mind saying, I deserve it though. Why didn't I stay where I should have been? I had opportunities and I kept moving away from someone who loved me, someone who cared for me. Why did I not listen? And all of a sudden, the bid's going on and she hears a voice she's heard before. And hope jumps into her heart. For just a brief moment, I believe she looked up and she's seen, is that Hosea? Is that my husband? Why would he? I can see when I look at this picture of her, I see tears flowing down her face. He's bidding on me. I, I rejected him. I'm ashamed because he kept finding me in these situations. And I told him, get away from me. I can't stand you. I hate you. I don't want any part of you. I want to keep going my own way. And yet he's looking at her. And he's not looking with disgust. She looks in his eyes and she sees love still there. How is it possible? He's still loving her. And the bid goes up and he keeps bidding. She knows he doesn't have this. This is costing him more than anything else. Why is he bidding on her? She don't deserve this. And finally... The last bid goes forth and the gavel comes down and she's now been purchased. And her husband comes over and he sets her free. And he probably puts his arm around her. And he says, all's forgiven. Not because of who you are. Not because you deserve it. But because I love you. And I've never forgotten you. And I paid the price so you could forget. Can you imagine her life was never the same? Do you think she ever wanted to leave again? No. no, because she found what she thought she was looking for in sin. She found it. It was love. Someone who loved her unconditionally, even though his heart had been broken. We did the same thing to God. Why in the world would God ever reach down to me and say, I'll forgive you for all the things you did. You intentionally inflicted pain upon me. You intentionally walked away from me. You intentionally walked into sin while I was trying to draw you away. And yet I had mercy on you. And my love is so great that I sent my only son to pay. Why? I never quit loving you. I never quit loving you. Oh, how wonderful it is. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God... He chooses you. He loves you. Hallelujah. And then finally this morning, you know you can rejoice because God's mercy and His kindness and His love never fail. It's everlasting. When you woke up this morning, God wasn't looking to see, did you, did you put in 10 minutes in prayer? I love you now. No. When you woke up this morning, there was a God looking at you and he was smiling at you. And he was saying, I love you. I want to do things in you. And he sees you not the way you are. But he sees you where he wants you to be. He sees who he's made you. He sees that area that he's given you. And he's sitting there probably thinking, if you could just see the way I see you, you'd step forward. You'd walk in victory. The enemy would have to step back. Why? 
I've given you so much more than you're taking advantage of. But I still love you. And I'm going to keep trying to move you that way. Verse 7 says, for a small moment have I forsaken you. We think right now, the, lot, the things that we're going through, the enemy will tell you God's forsaken you. God's not, God doesn't have any control. This, this, it's over for the church. But with great mercies will I gather thee in a little in a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment. It's just for a moment. God's still there. God's love is still right there in the background. You just don't see Him right now. But He's not forgotten you. He's not forgotten the church. In a little wrath I hid my face for thee for a moment. But with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. Thy Redeemer. Hosea was Gomer's uh, redeemer. I always have trouble with her name because I got an uncle named Gomer, and, and that's his wife's name, Gomer. But he had mercy and he redeemed her, and now she's his. And so God is saying the same thing to you, his children. With everlasting kindness will I have mercy on you. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting. What, you ever got mercy from somebody before? You ever done something and your parents, they didn't whip it? You thought, boy, I deserved it. God, I'm so grateful they didn't lay it on me. You knew you deserved it. God is, doesn't pour out His wrath because His mercy never fails. Oh, hallelujah. When you look at where you currently are, you may feel like God has forsaken you and that you're powerless and defeated. Other people's moving forward. God's got his hand on these people, and I know why, because I can see. But let me tell you something, that's just a lie. We need to realize God's never failed you. God has never forsaken you. God is always working in your life. God's mercy, love, kindness, and goodness has never failed, and he's ready to spring forth with his everlasting love. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. It's not based on what you deserve. It's not based on who you are. It's not based on your good works. What's it based on? It's based on the goodness of God. It's based on the mercy of God. It's based on the love of God. It's based on the power of God. It's based on the grace of God. It's based on the kindness of God. It's based on the forgiveness of God. It's based on the plans for you from God. It's based on the victory of God. It's based on the blessing of God that He is determined to pour out on you despite who you have been. Isn't God a good God? Isn't he a good God? Amen. Let me tell you something. The enemy has to step back. The enemy doesn't want to hear what we're talking about today. Because he wants to keep you right where he's got. He wants to keep your mind in boundaries. So that you don't step out into the things that God has prepared for you. He doesn't want revival to come to the church. He doesn't want things to be pushed back. He wants to keep taking souls. Every day he takes more and more into eternity lost. Why? Because the church doesn't realize who it is. Because the church isn't walking in the victory that God has given it. Let me tell you something. With all these things that we've seen today, we have reason to rejoice. Rejoice. The best is yet to come. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you and thank you, God, that Lord, you have, Lord, we can't even fathom what you want to do. And God, that you're not powerless. Lord, your name's above every name. Lord, the things that we face, God, trembles at the name of God. Lord, the things that we face is no challenge for you. And God, let me tell you, oh Lord, I know that God, you're about to move. And God, I know if your people, which are called by your name, will humble themselves and pray and seek your face and turn from their wicked ways you'll hear from heaven and Lord you'll forgive sin and you'll heal our land God we don't deserve anything because as a nation Lord our back has been turned Lord we've become uh, Lord complacent Lord as a nation we've become Lord dependent upon our own strength and not yours Lord the enemy has come against the church and Lord even in our own lives but Lord we know that your name's above every name. The enemy must be pushed back. The enemy must tremble. The enemy must let go. And Lord, just like when he came against you, Lord, when you defeated him, he had to flee. Why? Because you're victorious. You've already won the battle. He's a defeated foe. He's going to suffer forever. And God, that let there not be one person in this building today or even online that God that continues to believe the lies he's telling them, this is not our destination. Lord, this is just a launching point to see even on this side of, the, of eternity. God, you're going to do great and mighty things. I thank you for that. Lord, let us step forward in faith, believing that. God, let us see who you are. And then God, let us see who we are to be. And God, let us experience all that you have. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your Holy Ghost. Oh, Lord, on your church. And God, let us see revival. And God, let us see the mighty move of the Spirit in healing. And God, let us see it, Lord, in, in God, in prophecy. And God, that we would move forward with confidence that God, again, the church would have an impact. Oh, Lord, on our communities and upon our nation. And God, people would call out on us. Oh, Lord, to get a hold of you for them. And God, we would see such a revival. Almighty God, like we have never seen in American history. Oh, God, we need it more than ever before. We believe it. And God, we are going to call upon you for it, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're going to do. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. This morning with your heads bowed for just a moment. I, I, I'm, I just want to give you an opportunity. There could be someone here this morning that's willing to say, oh, let me tell you something. I need Him in my life. He's not. I'm not a Christian. I'm not serving Him. And this morning, I, I want to know what you're talking about. I want to have victory in my life. I don't want to keep going and letting the enemy have a stronghold in my life and trying to convince me that it's never going to change. And this morning, if that's you, no one's looking but me. If you would just raise your hand and put it down and say, pray for I see that. Pray for me this morning. Pray, Almighty God, that You would have mercy upon me. This is just for me to pray. This, I'm not going to call on You. I'm not. I just want to know who to pray for this morning. Anybody want to God move in my life? I need You. I feel You dealing with my heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this morning you might also be in the camp that says, Lord, I know this isn't where You want me to stay. God, I know You've been in telling my heart this isn't where I'm supposed to be staying. And this morning I want to step out in faith. I want to believe that God is getting ready to spring forth in my life. And God, has, there is better things yet to come. And if you want us to pray, say, pray for me that I get to that place that God, that I don't stay where I'm at, that I see the victory in my own life. This morning, if you'd raise your hand, say, pray for me. I want to see what God wants to do, yes, in my life. 
I want to see that victory this morning. Are you where you want to be? Yes, I see that. Are you where you want to be? Is this where you want to stay?